Welcome to the Truth Be Told podcast with Chad and Jade Spencer. In this world, there's an unlimited amount of voices fighting for your attention. Facts are important, but truth is key. This podcast is all about taking real life situations and looking at them through the lens of God's word. Victory can be your story. What's up, podcast fam? Hey, hey, everybody. Happy Monday, Monday. everybody. Oh, I She forgot to say it. You were sad that I didn't do y- it? You gotta keep this thing going. What's your uh, problem? Listen, I am I'm not being a creature of habit. But you are. It's true. Do the things that you're supposed to do. You want me to be a creature of habit with some things, but yeah, not with others. For sure, for sure. Fair. All right, listen. So I hope you enjoyed last week's. We enjoyed it. Uh, we had a blast with it in Listen, if you have not yet listened to it, you might want to go listen to part one of how to set yourself up for financial success before you listen to this one, because that is the foundation for this one. We're going to get a little more practical with these tips, and I want to encourage you, but again, you need that foundation you before really you can because, get here. You know, we're saying how, how to set yourself up for financial success, but honestly, if you don't tithe and you don't give, yeah. which we cover in mm-hmm. part one. You can do all the tips in the world. You can listen to all the Dave Ramsey in the world. But unless you do those two things... You're still going to have holes in your pockets. You're still going to have holes in your pockets. And if you don't know what that means... You got to listen listen last week. (laughs) Okay. So we're going to hop actually right in here. And I'm going to ask a question. Does God want me to be wealthy? Well, let's read what the word says. Proverbs 10, 22. The blessing of the Lord makes rich. And he adds no sorrow with it. And then Deuteronomy 8.18 says, you shall remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is in this day. So I think, right? I think the answer to that question is, yes, not only does he bless you, Right. Not only does he make you rich and he adds no sorrow with that, right. no regret, no sadness. He also gives you the power yeah. to create even more. Absolutely. And it's not your power. It's his power. You know, people will say, well, I don't want to become rich because I don't want to be prideful or arrogant. You know, I don't want to just get caught up. Well, when you realize that you didn't do it, it's not an issue. Exactly. <laughs> when you recognize that actually God wants you to have prosperity in your life and you may say oh my goodness he's one of those prosperity preachers i can't believe it no i'm not a prosperity preacher i am just simply somebody that teaches the gospel yeah there's no such thing as a prosperity gospel there's just the gospel Uh, and people that don't like prosperity yeah no it's bizarre to me and even the foundation of the argument is foolish but here's another scripture just in case you needed three to establish the point You know, uh, (laughs) 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, and I'm getting down to the ESV. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. People would say, that means spiritual poorness. That's not, well, when you study the word rich. I was being sarcastic if anyone's worried. When you study the word rich, it means. Rich. It's actually talking about money. It's talking about material wealth. And you could say, that's just crazy. God wants me to be wealthy? Yeah. Absolutely. Because think about this. How can you change the world 
with nothing. <laughs> and consider this. I don't go down the street and find the nearest person in, you know, uh, really in a homeless shelter yep. or in a bad position or somebody that's like got ripped clothes or somebody that's, you know, looks like they actually struggle with life and ask them for advice how to make mine better. No, we don't. You are meant to be a reflection of Jesus. And as I'm going to talk about it in a second, Jesus wasn't poor either. Yeah. And he's not poor now. He's in we heaven. We go and sit with people yeah. who have done it, who have made it, yeah. who have something to show for it. We were just recently on a trip and I I have a family member who's incredibly successful. Yeah. And so we sat with him and asked him. Yeah. How he did it. I just took that wealth of knowledge and I just asked him questions and listened to him talk and just how he thinks is different than most people. But he's been able to literally come from nothing and build, uh, and uh, I'm going to put quote unquote, it's an empire, you know, of great success for his life, for his family. And his kids will even go further than he because he's equipped them with that same knowledge to go further than he ever has. Right. All right, so let's talk about a few examples of wealth in the Bible because, I, I again, I feel the burden, right? Because people are so anti-prosperity mm-hmm. mm-hmm. to show you that the entirety of the Bible <laughs> shares prosperity. But and don't that, you find it interesting that prosperous people generally aren't anti-prosperity? For themselves. Oh, sorry. But what I mean oh, yeah, is, yeah. isn't it, isn't it yeah. ironic yeah. that prosperous people are not the ones that have no. an issue no, with no, no, prosperity? No. It's always those that are not prospering yeah. that have the biggest issue with prosperity. But you know what I even find interesting? There's a lot of church leaders, and they are against the prosperity preacher. Meanwhile, they've got three homes <laughs> making bank off of all of the books that they've written and have millions of dollars, but they're anti-prosperity. Oh, please. You who sit on a throne of lies. <laughs> Name that movie. Now, uh, but let's go through a few people in the Bible. And this is just a, a snippet of the people that have been incredibly wealthy in the Bible. So what about Abraham. Our friend Abraham. Father Abraham. Had many sons. Had many sons, Ed. Father Abraham. I'm, I'm one, one of them. them. Okay, we'll start. And so are you. Yep. So let's all praise the Lord. There's actually a scripture that says that Abraham increased in wealth greatly. Oh, my goodness. So much. He was incredibly wealthy. Because he was obedient to God. And God counted him righteous through faith. David had extreme wealth. And then he set his son up, Solomon, to be one of the wealthiest people to ever walk the earth. And I know you want to... There's a wild story, guys. And I'm completely paraphrasing. But Solomon was so wealthy that there was a queen. She was the queen of Sheba. She wanted to come and check out because she had heard that he was super wealthy. Yo, the woman came and looked at his wealth and was so overwhelmed that she fainted. Yeah. She literally when passed out. When last did out. you walk into someone's house and faint <laughs> at their wealth? She fainted when she saw the prosperity of the kingdom that Solomon had built. And that was built, again, it, guys, you need the foundation from last session. He built it on that foundation. You know, let's look at this. Uh, Peter. Peter was a commercial fisherman. You know, people actually know where Peter lived. And when you study where he lived, he lived in the inner city. And that's where the wealthiest people lived. So Peter clearly had money. He was not poor in any way, shape, or form. 
And then I love this one. Uh, last week, I actually preached about this for the offering message. But if you look in Luke 8, the Bible records women that not only followed Jesus, but funded his ministry, financially funded the ministry of Jesus. Yeah. Those women would never have been able to fund the ministry of Jesus because I need you to understand, the ministry of Jesus was not Jesus alone. Right. It was Jesus, his disciples, these women, their families, and then crowds of people. And the Bible stops to talk about how they funded Jesus' ministry. They had to have great wealth in order to be able to do that. Absolutely. And then how about this? Jesus himself. I find it comical that people think that Jesus was somehow poor. I don't know one single poor person that had a treasurer. Judas Iscariot, the man that betrayed him, was Jesus's treasurer. You don't need a treasurer for three cents. You don't need a treasurer you know I mean? if you don't have any treasure. Right. Like, I don't need a treasurer because I can open up my wallet and look at my bank accounts and I can see where all my money is. Like Jesus needed a treasure. I mean, there was even scripture that said that Jesus watched people give out of their wealth. Yeah. You know, Jesus was not poor. He had a seamless suit, which would be like a custom suit made just for him. He fed thousands of people. He provided. He led in an incredible way. I mean, this man did not lack financially throughout the entirety of his ministry, but now somehow we are supposed to be like Jesus and be like poor, be poor. I want to be like Jesus and be rich just as he was. And thrive in everything. And talking about that, 3 John 1, 2 says this, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. Yep. And uh, prosperity simply means to have more than you need, have an abundance. So this is going to look different for everyone. Prosperity is going to look different for everyone. You can't measure yourself against somebody else. I looked at her because I thought she was going to keep talking, but no. she didn't. God has anointed some people to be entrepreneurs. You know, so God has anointed some people to create crazy wealth, tens of millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know, but prosperity looks different to each person. Absolutely. You know, an abundance is what got a prosper, a uh, prosper. Having more than enough mm -hmm. is the standard for the kingdom of God because God has something for you to do with that. Exactly. Prosperity is not just for you, but it's for those around you as well. And when you make prosperity about you, pride creeps into your heart and it will be the start of your destruction. It's very true. Money is simply a tool to build the kingdom of God, to see souls saved. You know, I, I find it funny because if... If nobody wants to be, I mean, think about this. Missions cost money. Yeah. Souls cost money. We want to help people hear the gospel. Who's going to pay for the Bibles? Yeah. We want to help feed the hungry. Who's going to pay for the food? Right. I mean, God has given us a mission. Who's going to build the churches? Who's going to, you know, do all of these outreaches? Money is required for all of these things. Meanwhile, the church people think that God wants them to be poor. What, do you think money's going to grow on trees and then suddenly, you know, uh, you know, uh, wealth is just going to pop up out of nowhere? No, God gave you increase so that you could return it to his kingdom so that it could continue to be built. But listen here, let's get practical. I've got nine practical tips for you to 
be successful in your finances. And these are just things that we have learned. Yep, personal things. Things that we've kind of gone through, that we've asked, that we've gotten advice and wisdom and that we've applied in our lives. And I can honestly sit here and say that God has so blessed us. And the position that we live in right now is so far above what paper would show. Oh my goodness. Because that's what it's like when God's in charge of your finances. Absolutely. And it's just the beginning. I know that God has incredible wealth set up for us in our lives and you know amen contrary to most people when they see you know ministry people with uh finances and money you know well they can't blame it on me stealing it from the you know from the tithes and offerings because there will be an outside stream of income that's right you know and i can't wait to be able to see that and not amen. brag about me but brag about brag how faithful about Jesus is. And how true is. his word is. So practical tip number one, live below your means. There's a great policy, and my mom taught me this actually. If you can, and if you can do more than this, I would encourage you to do more than this. But live your life with 70, 10, 10, 10. So you have 100% income and take out of that 100%, you live off of 70% of that income. You tithe your 10%, you take another 10%, and you put it in a savings account. And now savings account, you need to change your mindset. It's not when you want to buy something nice, you're saving up for it, and then you purchase it. Savings account, you put it in there, you forget it. Unless you cannot afford something because something went wrong, you know, you don't touch it. It's not an operational account. It just sits and grows. Uh, And then the final 10%, is an investment account of some capacity. Yep. You know, I also seed out of that 10% as well. Yep. Um, and, and you live on 70%. And you live on 70%. You know, people automatically say, well, I can't afford that. Well, have you tried? Maybe surprised. you can do 80, 10, 10. Yeah. Yep. You know, 80% of your income, tithe 10%, and then save 10%. Right. Maybe you can only do 90, 10. And you may say, well, which 10 do I choose? 90 live on your income. 10% tithe and then remember, trust you God. Don't tithe. Yep. Your your 100% will be cursed exactly. if you do not tithe. But if you can trust God, I promise you that he'll bring you from 90-10 to 80-10-10 to 70-10-10-10 to whatever your faith will bring you to. And then obviously as children of God, we live our lives from faith to faith and glory to glory, which means that our income is going to increase. Your income yep. should not be staying the same for the rest of your life. Yep. And, and so when your income increases, don't meet it with your lifestyle. And that's hard. Most people, when they get a raise, they raise their level of living to what they made. Right. So although they may have nicer things, they're just as poor as they were before. And don't squander your finances by always elevating the standard of living that you're at. You will always be hand to mouth. God does not want you to live paycheck to paycheck. I promise you that. And I know people that could be making $100,000, $200,000, and they're living paycheck to paycheck right. because they have so many things they've accumulated. They yeah. are just suffocating themselves. It's really funny. Chad does this thing that my dad used to do because my mom and I are both consumers. But Chad will, he won't lie. He just won't disclose. How much money we have. How much money we have or like what's coming in. And he'll make me think one thing because he's actually busy stashing away like money that he doesn't want me to know about, doesn't want me to touch, doesn't want me. And then, you know, uh, he'll make me think something. And then all of a sudden he'll be like, hey, I'm taking you on a vacation or mm-hmm. we're going to go do this. And I'm just like, where did the money come from? He's like, Jade, 
Like I've been stashing this yeah. forever. Yeah. So here's one last tip under the first category. Live below your means. Have a certain amount of money transferred from your paycheck to your savings and investment account immediately. I think it's really smart to set up like automatic giving as well. It helps you never forget your tithe. Uh, I don't do that. I personally like the action of... But not everyone is as responsible as that. Not everyone remembers that. Right. But I'm talking about, you know, you may say, well, I can't afford to uh, save or invest. Listen, pick a number yep. and have it auto-transferred so exactly. it never hits your account. You don't have to be you personally responsible it. for it. Yep. And it will just immediately be transferred and then it will go to an account that you don't touch so the temptation is not even there when it exactly. automatically transfers, and that's why I just suggested for a lot of people with tithe, because then the the temptation can't even be there to not do it. Absolutely. So here's number two for let's get practical: read books and just get education on finances. We could even put listen to podcasts. Yeah, there's podcasts out there. There's resources to read. There's YouTube's to watch. There's classes you can take. What are some the, of the best books that you've so? Read? I think three really great books that I would suggest is, and this one changed my life, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. I think that's right. <laughs> uh, but man, I'm telling you what, that book will change yeah, you your Yeah, you listened to that on life. Audible. Too, I, I, I did. I, I listened to it a few times. Yep. Uh, number two, Understanding Financial Prosperity by Bishop David Oyedepo. So good. And then the last one is The Millionaire Next Door. I can't remember off the top of my head who authored who that, that but it's a super popular book. And I'm telling you, listen to podcasts, get resources, find an area of finance that you're interested in. You know, you should be up to par on what's happening in the Dow Jones. You should be up to par with what's going on with your country's finances. You should be, you know, understanding financial language to a certain capacity if you want to have any level of If wealth. you're living, finances affect you and so it's good to be educated on them in some capacity. Absolutely. Number three, establish great credit. All right, now, now this is super yeah. controversial. It is, it is. But I personally think that most people cannot live on cash alone. And I'm not going to get into my theory behind it. I don't think it's smart to live on cash alone. We live in America specifically. Because it is important to, mm -hmm. to like, bring up that, you know, not not all countries are credit driven or debt driven yeah. like America is. America is a debt driven society and credit is incredibly important. So if you want to go buy a house, you, you have, can't unless you have credit. Which is just, yeah, it's like if you, for me yeah. coming from South Africa, that wasn't a thing. So it's like such a wild mindset change to know, Absolutely. wait, I have to have debt in order to have good credit. Yeah. Like how does that even make sense? It, it, it's crazy. And a lot of people destroy their credit very early. So say I'm going to buy a house and somebody else is going to buy the house. I have the highest score credit that you can possibly have. My interest rate is going to be the lowest possible rate. And somebody with terrible credit, they may have a rate 1%, 1.5% higher than me, which in a 30-year mortgage or a 15-year mortgage or a 10-year mortgage, whatever it may be, that could accumulate to between thousands and tens of thousands of dollars long term. And so establishing great credit, you know, is incredibly important and you can do that through getting a secured credit card which we're um, going to talk about in the next point uh yeah, yeah yeah but a secured credit card you can't go into debt with so a secured okay. credit card okay. you can build credit through that you know there's a lot of great things that you can do to establish credit in a small term pace that will keep you responsible but still establish a level so that you can get great interest rates when you do things and you know like me i like to leverage 
um, you know, like equity and things like that in a home to potentially buy another home that could make my cash work for me. That may not be your niche or your desire. And you have to address your finances about the passions that you have and the interests that you have. Exactly. Um, Number four. Don't get into credit card debt. Now, Chad and I are not anti-credit card people. There are a lot of people, including Dave Ramsey, if you listen to a lot of Dave Ramsey teaching. Now, don't get me wrong. Dave Ramsey is incredible. He has a space for people. He does. We just don't agree with everything. And one of those things is the credit card. We love our credit card, but we are not owned by our credit card. So what does that mean? I don't go out as much as I'd love to. I don't go out racking up credit card bills and spending money that we don't have. Chad and I had an agreement that we were going to pretend that our credit card was a debit card. So what does that mean? We use, we make our credit card work for us. And so we act like it's a debit card. We don't spend our credit card if we don't have money to cover that credit card bill. And I'm not talking, you know, in, in two months, in three months, that month, if we don't have the money for it, we don't use our credit card. Mm-hmm. But how we've made our credit card work for us is there are great programs with credit cards that involve points. Yep. And that is literally how Chad and I go on an anniversary trip mm-hmm. every single year is we use our credit card as a debit card, racking up points. Yep. So at the end of the year, we have all these points and we have a free trip. Yep. And I mean, that's a great resource and we can do that. But if you find yourself a consumer and you're unable to discipline yourself, with a credit card, don't even get one. Use a debit card. Use cash. Actually, don't use you whatever pay it works. Our credit card weekly. I, I pay. I always dread. I pay it twice. I always dread Mid, whenever I watch month, him. End of the month. I always dread whenever I watch him open the app though, because then I have to like <laughs> rack my brain of like, did I spend something that I wasn't supposed to? How many? No, more it. like how many times did I go to Target? You know. Uh, but okay, number five: never pay a minimum payment. You know, we live in, again, a debt-driven society. And a lot of people, you have a car payment, you may have a house payment, maybe you have a credit card payment. Never pay a minimum payment. My my mom taught me this again. My mom taught me a lot about finances. You know, she's incredible with them. Um, but you never pay a minimum. So my house payment, you know, let's say hypothetically, it was $750 or $1,000. I would never pay that minimum payment of $1,000 because then I'm just paying, I'm basically paying the interest and the lowest bit of principal off. I always pay as much as I possibly can. So, you know, we bought our house with an FHA, which is 3.5% down. So we put 3.5% down, but there's this extra interest in there called PMI, okay? And that exists until you pay off 20% of your house. And people don't realize this. This can be between $60 and $150 a month that you're paying. And so I keep chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And uh, I pay uh, $100 over our uh, payment. And then once our PMI came off, which was $66 for us, I just pretended that that still existed because I already had it budgeted. And now we pay like 160 something dollars over our monthly payment for our house, which we then, again, I use it to leverage to be able to get more houses to get uh, rental units and things like that. So Never pay a minimum payment. It is going to take, especially with credit cards, guys. If you have credit card debt, attack that fast. Pay that off first. You know, really take your finances and 
save as much as you can to pay off that credit card debt because it has insanely high interest rates. And shout out real quick to Dennis and Capri. Dennis and Capri are the perfect examples of people who applied part one of our podcast yep. to part two it's of our true. podcast that we're talking about right yep. now. They gave themselves out of debt. Yeah. I mean, I think I think Dennis, you know, he, he had a ton. He actually had a ton of credit card debt from before he was saved. And they determined in their hearts. We're going to give ourselves out of debt. And mm-hmm. so they took what, if you haven't listened to it, you want to go listen to part one. Yep. Seed, they tithed, and then they sowed, and they sowed, and they sowed until they had no debt left. Yeah, and obviously they just attacked that payment practically as well. And they, I, I think this year they actually paid off that debt. And again, it was a big debt that they had, and they paid it off as soon as they took biblical principles and began to apply them to their lives. And we say this because you need to know that this works for real people. This isn't just something that we're making up on the spot it isn't something that we just think sounds good this people have applied this and it has worked for them yeah so never pay a minimum payment number Number six six, purchase a home i read an article uh a little bit back and it said the greatest mistakes millennials and gen z's are making is they are not purchasing homes and the thought behind this is you know typically you buy a home and then you pay on it throughout the years you know we've lived in our home i think six year five years coming up six years six years now and you know that's a payment and in our area the rent and the uh, mortgage payments are actually pretty similar um and so we've been paying off and we've created tens of thousands of dollars worth of equity that is long term for us so you know say somebody's renting mm-hmm. they don't get equity they nope. just pay 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 and they have nothing to show for it now obviously the responsibility's lower you know if you're in an area for a shorter period of time i understand all of that yeah, you know uh, there, there are absolutely factors to it but if you can and you're in a place buy a home because then you can make these payments and you're building something called equity and equity is the value of your home versus what you owe on the home so say you have a $100,000 house, but you owe $60,000 on it. You have $40,000 worth of equity, and that can be turned into cash. You know, a lot of people, they'll you know find their forever home. They'll live there. They'll pay it off, you know, through 10, 20, 30 years. And then the, when they retire, they'll sell their home. They'll downsize, and they'll have huge aspects of capital, but a lot of people in our generation, they're not purchasing homes, so they're never building equity, so they can never leverage that equity to maybe, you know, get themselves into a, yeah. an investment opportunity, or right. they're never using that equity to leverage to be able to, you know, essentially make more opportunity for themselves. Right, which I think is a good segue into uh, number seven, which is break the consumer mentality. Yes. Break that, and I'm talking to myself because yep. I don't know how many of you are Preach spenders it. or consumers like I am, but you got to break the consumer mentality. You have to break this off. If you are always trying to keep up with the Joneses, if your friend buys something new, so you have to buy something new, honestly, that just actually roots back to an insecurity that you have in your life, and you're trying to perform to something that you may not be. I mean, I love things to a level, but they don't own me. You know, and I will balance my desire for things and my desire for a future that I desire, you know, that that I want myself. And sometimes you need to make a sacrifice and not buy everything. You know, you don't need to go out to eat every single day of the week. 
You don't need to spend all that money at Target. You don't need to buy new clothes every single day. You don't need to do well, all I mean, of these things. I'm just <laughs> you don't need I'm to just do kidding. all of these things. If you're always looking at things to consume, you are always going to spend your money that you should be investing in or paying down debt with because your goal is to become eventually, you know, debt free long term. And I believe that you can. If you're not always buying stuff. I know people that they always have to have toys and toys and but toys. But it is okay to like stuff. Absolutely. And, I do think and it's okay to, to treat that. yourself too. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying just live in poverty in a shell and never enjoy yeah. life. You know, we do vacations. Oh, we 100%. travel together. We buy to things. You know, we go to Target. You know, I hate it. You know, but at but least they have Starbucks. He does it for me. You know, but we do things. But we also balance it so we we're not always consuming. And if you're consuming more than you're saving, then you're probably not setting yourself up for financial success. And you're probably always going to be in the same financial bracket you are right now. Very true. Very true. Number number eight, surround yourself with successful people. Who you are around and who are you who you're surrounding yourself with really is a picture of what your future is going to look like. Absolutely. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Yeah. I have a friend who's close to me and you know, neither of us are like crazy successful in any, any capacity, but we're both dreaming about it. You know, I love being around people that dream, that yes. desire, that you know, they have vision for their life. They have a plan. You know, the plan may change along, but at least they're insp- inspired to do something out of the comfort zone. You know, I like big dreams i like people with that you know i'm gonna be a millionaire you know i'm gonna be success like i love seeing that because it just it sparks something inside of me and we're speaking a common language i don't want to hang around bums yeah i don't want to hang i mean i'll minister to people in that capacity and i will i love it but man when i'm trying to feed myself we get around people that are i get around people that you know they may not be something yet but they are going to be something. And I want to be around people. I get impartation, you know, like my wife said, we went and traveled down and we saw, you know, her family member who's incredibly successful and we spent time with them. And then I have a a spiritual oversight named Bishop Rick Thomas, who's incredibly successful in finances as well. And I was getting around him and spending time with him. I mean, you need to surround yourself with people that are successful in this world and are where you want to go. Exactly. Number nine. Number nine, and this is the last point. This is so important. Have a side hustle to make some extra money. People don't even realize this. I have a job that I work online. People don't have a clue that you work Saturday and Sunday night. So I work Saturday. Yeah, I work Saturday and Sunday night, seven p.m. until midnight listen, every listen, single if Saturday you and Sunday. Our church, you need to understand how awesome your pastor is. He works. Saturday night from seven to midnight, and then gets up to preach twice to you. On a Sunday morning. Yeah, and then Sunday night, I get up and do it again. Yes. And so, you know, I do that not because I love it, but because I... I know that I want to have money to invest. And if I want to have money to invest, I need to do something. But that's not all I do. No. You know, I. We now have a rental yeah. property. We now have a rental property. I have invested in uh, previously in, 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 and again, don't do what I'm doing just because I did it. You know, I went in with a lot of knowledge and a lot of understanding. Yeah. But, you know, I went in and bought cryptocurrency. Not yeah. this year. I didn't buy Doge, guys. I, you know, <laughs> I, I, I had invested in crypto four years years ago and my crypto kind of exploded and, and actually when he invested in his crypto four years ago she was mad at me the, the market had turned yeah. and he lost money mm-hmm. and i was so mad and he kept saying 
Jade, just wait. Yep. Just be patient. And four years later, man, you've like. Yeah, I mean, it's increased. And I just cashed out $4,000. Yeah. You know, because it it was a side hustle. It's something I enjoy. And you know what we did with that? We blessed people. Absolutely. Not with the whole thing. Yeah. But no. with a lot of it, we bless people. Yeah. We sowed seed. Absolutely. And we'll continue to. And, uh, you know, I, I've done other things. I've uh, invested in stocks. I've, uh, you know, I, I've got a Roth IRA that I give into for retirement. I do all sorts of things. And, you know, I you can make money on Marketplace. You can flip products. You can buy and sell stuff. And, You've and, and many looked different... into like being an Amazon seller. You've done yep. a ton of stuff. I've done a ton of things because I know that in order to create wealth, I need a side hustle. And I think what's cool about you is that you're okay with failing mm-hmm. if you can learn and then, you know, pick yourself up and carry on. Yeah. Not that you want to fail, but right. some of these things have failed, yeah. but you've learned from them. I think only one. And we won't talk about I it. I guess, okay, because up to this point, yeah. the crypto is now not a failure. It's but not for, a failure now. I just th- cashed out, baby for, girl. But for, <laughs> <laughs> but for three years, yeah. it was a failure. No, you just didn't have the foresight to <laughs> oh see where God. it was okay. going. Okay, uh, <laughs> okay, my guy. But, uh, you know, have a side hustle and make some extra cash and then take that cash and leverage that cash to make more cash. Have your finances work for you. Do not be a slave to money. Money is a slave to you. It's simply a tool. And remember this, when you create wealth, do not forget the God that got you there. And always be rooted and grounded in that. And I'm telling you what, guys, you apply these nine things. And again, this isn't an exhaustive list. There are a ton of other things you can do. There's a lot of other great opportunities. There's a lot of people that are more qualified than me and Jade to share this. But I have personally seen these things impact my life. And I pray they'll impact yours as well. So again, if you have any questions, reach out to us. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure you share this. Let some people know. And again, make sure you listen to part one in order to understand part two fully. We love you guys. Have a great week. Thanks so much for joining us on the Truth Be Told podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode you just listened to. Remember, we have new content coming out every single week. If you know of someone who could benefit from this podcast, we would love for you to share it on your social media as well as going ahead and leaving us a review. But for now, we can't wait to catch you next week.